Bienvenido and thank you for listening to the Word con Sazón podcast, a sermon collective of reforming Latinos. The following message was given at City Lights Church in the city of Chicago, Illinois by Brother Sanford Perez. For more information about the church or about our brother, please go to our show notes below. say I think uh, we're on the fifth week if I'm not mistaken right in the book of Esther uh, we've been going through this book uh, it's been our summer series and we've titled it behind the curtain uh, we have that although God has never is never mentioned in the book if you've read the book of Esther God's name is not made known in it he, he is always present and wanting his covenant people to respond according to his word and his will let me tell you a story about a young man. He was always seeking the approval of others. He was always looking to be seen. He lived life on the edge because it made him stand out. This young man was hanging out with his homies. They all had motorcycles. And all of them decided to go for a little ride. Somehow they were cruising on Fullerton. You remember those days cruising down Fullerton, anybody? Not in motorcycles, I, I don't ride motorcycles, but Hondas, Jose, Hondas. We used to cruise down Fullerton. We thought we were really cool with our wheels. I'm still there. While listening to some music, I won't mention music because we are in the gathering. So there was. Good music. If you're one of those, you know what I'm talking about. Well, as these guys were riding up and down Fullerton, one of the guys decided to start riding. He started riding really hard towards Lakeshore Drive. The young man did not want to be left out of the craziness and had to be that much crazier than the rest. So he started racing down Fullerton, weaving through traffic until he did the most dangerous, ridiculous thing. Nearing the intersection of Fullerton and Western, in order to get around the cars, he got on the sidewalk and literally was speeding on the sidewalk in a motorcycle. This is a true story. This is a real story. Again, this is not me. I don't ride motorcycles. Right. This young man did everything possible to seek the approval of others even to the point of risking his life. This young man never knew that his life story would be similar to that, to the book of Esther. Uh, in Esther 4, Mordecai learns of the plot to destroy all Jews. Esther hears some news about her uncle, uh, who is now her father, through adoption, and she's distressed and sends a servant, one of her eunuchs, to find out what is happening. Okay, if you guys haven't, uh, if, you guys, if you guys don't know too much of what's going on in the story, we have the sermons are online. Go back and look at them. Read the book of Esther. You guys will get a clearer picture of what we're talking about here. So she sends one of the eunuchs to find out what was happening. Now, if you notice through the book, 
she's using her servants to, to send these messages. All right? She always sends a message, never gets to see him uh, face to face. But something happens in her distress. Esther is reminded of her identity. She is reminded that she not only is Queen Esther of Persia, wife to King Xerxes, but that her original Hebrew name is Hadassah. She is a Jewish woman. A descendant of God's chosen people. A royal decree has been set out that possibly could end her life. She's a Jewish woman. Remember that she had hid that truth because Mordecai told her to. But now she's facing something here. Something real. Something dangerous that can end her life and the life of her people. But check out her response to such a thing. She decided that what was more important was to pray and to fast. I, I think we can learn something from Queen Esther. I think there's a lot that we can learn just from that little piece from her because if, 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 if when, when reality hits home, I promise you this, I know I don't always run to God first. For me, I run to those who I can hear from first. Because to me, the speaking to somebody on the phone or texting somebody, in that moment, feels more important than running to the Lord. But she does something different. She runs to God. If you have your Bibles with you, if you turn with me to the book of Esther, we're going to be talking through the whole book of chapter 5. That's where we're going to camp out this evening. So verse 1 says, On the third day Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace, in front of the king's quarters, while the king was sitting on his royal throne inside the, th the throne room opposite to the entrance to the palace. Uh, on the third day, meaning that after she was done praying and fasting, Esther knew that the Persian law was, again, this is stated in chapters before, that she was never allowed to come before the king without first being called. Now, I know when we think about these things, we say, that's his wife. He chose to marry her. They're together. But she has to be called by the king in order to be seen by him. This was the law of the land. So she prays and she fasts because she knew that this was a matter of life and death. She knew that her life was hanging in the balance and she would come before the king without being called. That was the law. She 
she is now identifying with her people and using her role as queen to become a type of a mediator. So pay, pay attention to this because I want you to catch something. We wanna, want you to catch something right away. On the third day, once her fast was done, she took action. She doesn't sit idly waiting for God to move. Pause really quick. We're, we're not saying that you, you always, there's moments in life where we pray and we wait. All right, this we know to be true. There's also moments in life where God has given you the wisdom and the ability and, and counsel to be able to make those decisions that need to be made at the moment. So Esther, knowing who she was in, does not decide to wait and she moves. She responds in courage knowing that she's part of God's chosen people. She's, she moves knowing who she was because what was happening was something serious. But her life was at stake in the midst of it. See, one of two things can happen. Either the king will force the, enforce the law and Esther is doomed and we would have to live with the fact that that's still God's providential hand. Or she gains favor. God works in the heart of the king through divine providence. And Esther as queen gets an audience with the king. Keep those two scenarios in your mind. She can no longer hide her true identity. She is a Persian queen because she has been placed in the life and she married the king. And yet she's still of Jewish descent because she was born a Jew. But she could not hide her true identity any longer. She cannot sit by and watch as her people, God's chosen people, are headed towards total annihilation. Here we have a contrast between Vashti, which is the king's old wife, the old queen who was kicked out. Her not coming before the king when he requested her to, and Esther coming before the king without even being requested. Esther puts her life on the line because we've read before that she could be killed for coming into the inner court before the king without being requested by him. We know this. It's, this is something that continues to be repeated. But in the beginning of the verse, she puts on these royal robes. If we remember before, she was favored by many. Scripture defines that she was beautiful in nature. That she was a beauty to look at. But she puts on these royal robes to beautify herself and stand in her royal position seeking the approval of the king. Verse 2 says, And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight. And he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached 
and touched the tip of the scepter. She won favor in his sight. Again, this reminds us of chapter 2. This expression is in chapter 2, right? We, we also see this in chapter 2, 2.15. It says, when, when the turn came from Esther, for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter to go into the king, she asked for nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charge, who was in charge of the woman, had advised. Esther was winning favor of all who saw her. Check out these other two scriptures that uh, this specific phrase also is related to in Genesis 6, 8. It says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Also, another text in Genesis chapter 39, verse 4 says, So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all he had. The expression found favor in the Hebrew means pleasing. It's due to, it's due to character and, and, and good works. So she wants to seem pleasing to her husband. She, she wants to get his attention. There's something happening. Something's at stake here. The king reaches out his scepter as a sign of approval. We've seen that prior. And he asked her, what is it, Queen Esther? Now, some, some like to say that he was probably more like, what do you want? Uh, but I, th I think it's safe to say with the flow of the text and with him, with her finding favor in his eyes, that I think it's, it's more like, you know, what's up, baby girl? What, what, what's going on? What do you need? Uh, why do I say that, too? Because of his next response. But remember, she's, she's standing in the presence of the king. She's in her royal authority as queen. She's a catching beauty. She's bold and she's courageous. She, she stood in front of the king in her own righteousness as the favored, beautiful Queen Esther. But she's a desperate woman. Desperation can take you to all sorts of things. If you know very well, moms, they'll do anything for their children. In their desperation, they know how to care and love them well. But we see this woman here, she's, she, she's desperate to save those she loves. To save her people, knowing that it can go bad for her. She's trying to mediate on behalf of them. She is possibly their only hope. Now check out the response of her husband, King Xerxes. Uh, he, he offers her up to half of her kingdom. Right? Because everything belonged to the king. No matter who you were in, in his palace, everything belonged to him. 
He gave out what he wanted to give out. It was up to the king. So he offered her up to half of his kingdom, and that was not what she desired. It wasn't what she wanted. It wasn't why she was there. It wasn't the reason that Queen Esther, Hadassah, the Jewish woman, would risk her life. And yet here was Esther's great opportunity to speak up and share what was going on, share the, 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 the crazy news that she had heard of the attack that was going to be had on her people to annihilate them, to remove them. During that feast, she had the opportunity to speak her mind, but she didn't. She didn't take advantage of the moment that she found favor in the king's eyes, that he allowed her to be a part of where he was, to be able to share her concerns of what was going on. We honestly don't know why she didn't share it at the moment, but we know that she had a plan. She fasted and, and prayed for this moment. It wasn't a moment she was going to let go to waste, so she knew, she knew she had something planned. She had become bold and courageous. Uh, now let's, uh, let's, let's, let's get something clear because what happens is that she, tells, she, asks the, she invites the king to a banquet that she's going to be throwing for him and Haman. So this is the problem. Haman, this Haman guy, kind of like the right hand to the king. This, this guy's the issue here. This is the guy that wants to, he, he, he wants to kill Mordecai and he wants to kill all the Jews. So this is what she's worried about because she's part of that. So she invites him to, to a banquet. And then she invites him to another banquet. So it's two banquets, like in two days. Let's, let's get something clear, man. She, she, just because she did these two banquets back to back, she isn't some party girl, just some party girl trying to have a good time. She isn't just trying to hang out with the king and hang out with his people for pleasure. She prayed and fasted for this moment, so she has a plan. There's something that's being developed here, and she's focused on that task. She's focused on what lies ahead. So while all this happened, happening, meanwhile, you know, Haman leaves the palace... And sees Mordecai. Okay, Mordecai is Esther's uncle again. But now her father, because he adopted her because her father died. So he sees Mordecai. He encounters him while he's leaving. And what we need to know about Haman is that this guy wants a lot of attention. He has the king's attention. He wants to be built up. He's, he's head over a whole bunch of stuff. And what he's doing is he wants everyone... Just like everyone else does, they bow down, they, they pay homage to him, they give him his honor and the respect that he has, get, that he has, that he has been given because he's, 
right hand to the king. And Mordecai doesn't do this. So this angers and frustrates Haman. This guy hates Mordecai. The, the Bible says that he was wrathful against Mordecai. He wanted this guy done. Mordecai is a Jew that will not bow before this man. Because he was the one who served the one and true God. Haman goes home, talks to his wife, and those who were there. What he starts doing is boasting about himself to all the friends who were around. He starts boasting about how many kids he has, right? Because in, in these times, to, to have a boy was like of the highest like, honor. If you guys watch even them old movies, everything was, you know, men and lineage and, and all these things. So, so it, was, it was huge. It was big. To have, so this man is just, he's boasting about himself, about his high estate, about that the queen invited him to these two banquets. He's boasting about he's, how he's going to sit with the king and the queen. Haman is pumped. He's excited. He loves the attention. He craves the attention. But there's one thorn. There's this one thing that keeps nagging at him. That no matter what he has, all the attention, all the power, all the glory, this one thing is killing him. And he's got to deal with it. His name is Mordecai. So his wife and his friends come up with this crazy idea. And to him it was a great idea. Let's build a gallows and let's talk to the king to hang him in the morning. We all know what gallows are, right? In the old times, it was this wooden platform that they would tie the noose, put you on it, take out under your feet, and you would hang. This was Haman's response. No matter what he had, something had to be done about this guy named Mordecai. Let's check something out. Esther responded to the edict that was written against her people by praying and fasting, and the results were she went boldly and courageously before the king, unannounced, a decision that could have costed her her life. Xerxes responded to the queen that stood before him unannounced, but instead of enforcing the law, the results he granted her favor and gave her time to speak. Haman responded to, Morde to Mordecai in wrath and anger because Mordecai would not bow before him. The results were he had the gallows built to hang Mordecai on it to end his life. See, we all, like Esther, Xerxes, and, and Haman, we all struggle with the seeking of approval. Whether it's from our wife, whether it's from our husband, whether it's from our kids, whether it's kids from the parents, whether it's from our friends, whether it's from our pastors and, and co-workers and bosses. Everyone has struggled with this and possibly are still struggling with it. What we're doing is we're displaying 
our brokenness. Our broken righteousness before others. Like Esther, the moment she identified herself with God's covenant people was when she made the decision to fast and pray. It is the same when we come to faith in Christ. Every one of us will be like Esther. We will come to that moment in life, that, that moment that will define our eternity. The question is, will you continue living in this pagan system? And according to your own righteousness, or will you stand with God's people even at the cost of losing it all? See, for Esther, losing it all meant her life. When we see people in the East, losing it all for them means their life. Here in the West, life is a little different. Losing it all possibly may not be losing our life. I'm not saying that it can't happen because of our belief in Jesus. But losing it all may come to many things. If we remember a couple years back of the couple that lost their bakery because they went against the system, because they went against sin. Many people have lost many things. Their families, their loved ones, relationships. Because they've stood for the righteousness of Christ. We, we might be ridiculed. We, we might be talked about. We're going to be mocked. Everything might come against us. But because we believe in a holy God who is seated on his throne who is sovereign over all things and reconciling all things to himself, we have hope. See, Haman saw equality with the king as a thing to be grasped and gloried in it, while Jesus doesn't count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, referencing Philippians 2.11. 2, 1 through 11. Xerxes gives an audience according to what he sees, but Jesus gives an audience according to what he has done. Esther stands before the king in her righteousness, but Jesus covers us with his righteousness. See, the big idea is Jesus is the better righteousness because he gives us direct access to God the Father. Throughout the book of Esther, we see that Jesus is the better king. Jesus is better than favor. Jesus is better than Haman. Jesus is greater than our distress. And Jesus is better, is the better righteousness. Beloved, we cannot stand in our own righteousness before a holy God. You see, we need Jesus because in him we have direct access to God the Father. Esther dressed in royal robes to stand in her royal office, 
while we are dressed in King Jesus' righteousness alone. Where Haman sees Mordecai as his enemy and longs to see him chain, see him hanged, we were enemies of God. And yet King Jesus reconciled us to God the Father by his death. Jesus is the one who hanged in our place. And now that we are one with Christ, we can rejoice that our acceptance before God is based on nothing of our own doing, but solely on the righteousness of our King, Jesus Christ. Sometimes in life, we're faced with, dif we're faced with difficult decisions. Uh, that young man who was racing his motorcycle down Fullerton with four other knuckleheads was riding again with a friend as they again were racing on the streets near Armitage in Sacramento. As they turned the corner onto Armitage and began accelerating, they got to Mozart and Armitage, and a van pulled out and hit one of the motorcyclists. He flew into the air and tumbled about 100 feet. The damage to his body was intense, and by God's mercy, he's still alive. The other young man watched as this unfolded before his eyes. Everything seemed slow motion. He realized that he realized that, that could have been him, especially when he was riding on the sidewalks down Fullerton. This young man was about to face a defining moment in his life. See, Esther's defining moment was a matter of life and death. Her decision to stand with God's covenant people, with her people, her decision to assume the dignity and the power of her royal position only occurs when she stands according to her true identity as God's daughter. See, Esther believed God. In his book, The Hidden God, Pastor Elliot says this, Esther stands in stark contrast to the other characters in that while idolatry seems to play a role in the hearts of others at different levels, she steadfastly had faith in the true God of Israel to keep his promises. She believed God. The young man who was always seeking approval of others, always seeking to out the approval of his crew and trying to be the toughest of the bunch was coming out of a family member's house while walking out of the basement gangway. Another man was telling him about Jesus. This young man listened. There was something about this Jesus that he needed to hear. A few weeks later, he landed at a church. He heard the gospel, and he responded to the irresistible grace that had regenerated his heart. The results were a life transformed for the glory of God and the joy of this young man. Esther could have ignored Mordecai and done nothing. She could have just lived her life out in the palace of the king as the queen, favored by all for as long as she lived. 
She could have waited for the king to call her and then her share, her heart. But instead she prayed and fasted. Esther's decision to identify as one of God's chosen people is the same that that young man coming to faith is the same as that young man coming to faith in Jesus. See, each of us, every one of us will have a defining moment. A walk with Christ. Not per se for salvation in itself, but just moments where we would have to stand for God's truth. We will see tragedy. We're going to be hurt. We're going to have fears. We will be oppressed. Traumas of all sorts. But we will, identi but we will identify ourselves with the righteousness of Christ and quit seeking of the others and quit seeking the approval of others and instead live a life that we have already been approved by God because of Christ. See, the young man thought that he had life conquered, that he could do it in his own, and, and, and according to his own will and his own righteousness. And in his eyes, he was not a bad person. He just wanted to live a good life. Esther was queen of Persia. She, it seemed like she had it all, had it all together. Everything everyone else always wanted. But King Jesus is our example of having all the privileges and rights and yet took the form of a humble servant and emptying himself. He became a man born into this world to suffer death on the cross. We were his, we were his enemies and yet he humbled himself and died on a cross so that he could reconcile us back to the Father. Jesus provided us with royal robes to enter into the heavenly throne freely and boldly. We have been given his righteousness and should no longer feel that we need the approval of others. But we should know that we are already approved by the living God. And we get to live in accordance with the freedom that he has already given us. See, the big idea, again, is Jesus is the better righteousness because he gives us direct access to God the Father. The story of Esther is meant to remind us that God is at work behind the curtains and that we get to be part of what God is doing in this world. We get to be agents of redemption, not because of anything we have done, but because of the righteousness of Christ that has, been, that has been given to all who have placed their faith in him. We get to wear the royal robes of Christ in a way so that the world can see how good our God is. See, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. 
If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. And when the trials come, and they will, may we not be ashamed. May we stand for God and his word. We are his covenant people. Esther made a decision to stand with and for her covenant people. She was probably terrified knowing that what she was about to do could end her life. But to her, it didn't matter. She knew who her identity was in. She knew who she belonged to. So I ask you today, Believer, do you know who your identity is in? How can you be identified with God's covenant people? Will you pray and fast and stand covered in the royal robe so that our community will see God's covenant people? See, it's no surprise that the Lord has given us opportunity in this time, in this place, this instance to be able to walk the, for, 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 for the Lord to press upon the hearts of the elders for us to be able to walk in our communities and pray for our community and if the Lord so wills it that we would be able to preach the gospel to those who don't know him it's no coincidence this is, this is God's doing will you be like Esther and stand with us Will we stand together? And if you don't know Jesus, I know we all do. We respond to the good news of the gospel by turning from your sin and placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Will we run to the Father? Stand with me and let us pray. The message you just heard was brought to you by The Word Con Sazon, a sermon collective of reforming Latinos. If you enjoyed what you heard, please go down to the description. There you will find all the links to their sermons, their church websites, their Facebook, Instagram. And if you're ever in their cities, stop by and tell them that you heard them on The Word Con Sazon, a sermon collective of reforming Latinos. <laughs> <laughs>